As Sergio said, you know, we're going to continue this hashtag series. I'll be continuing it for the next few weeks. Uh, several weeks ago, I, I spoke before you and uh, on a message called Hurry Up and Wait, which is sort of a two-part message, okay? And that's sort of a similar format that we're going with today, sort of uh, opposite sides of the same coin, so to speak. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a hot topic, uh, a very hot topic, uh, maybe one of the hottest topics. Uh, if you all saw the, some of the social media stuff this morning, you already know that one of our topics today is going to be health. I'm sorry, I've hung around Sergio too much. I'm starting to tell jokes like him. Please pray for me. Uh, but we are, we're going to spend some time talking about hell. Now, of course, that's not the only thing we're going to talk about. Uh, we're also going to talk about heaven as well. Uh, so two very different, very, very different sides of the same coin of discussion, okay? A few weeks ago, we were sitting in our speaking team meeting, and we were talking about this series, and we were listing out topics that we would talk about, and once we get all the topics listed out, then we start going around saying, okay, which, you know, you, do you feel strongly about one topic, or, you know, is one area better, you know, what do you want to talk about? And Usually I have a, a pretty strong opinion, and for whatever reason, this time I was just sort of sitting there going, I don't know, I don't know. And so then, you know, people were taking different topics, and I'm going, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. And then it's like, oh, well, Rusty, what are you going to take? And I'm looking at him, and I go, heaven and hell? And in my mind, I'm going, I'm not sure how this made the list. I don't understand what the controversy is. Hell is hotter than what it's been in Asheville this past week. I don't want to go. You know, hell's bad, heaven's good. Into controversy. Apparently, there are a lot of people that don't see it that way, though. And it can be a controversial topic, and so that's what we're going to take a look at today. We're going to take, uh, well, for, let me tell you this. This is how we're, just to give you an idea of what's about to come at you. I want to spend a few minutes just talking about some numbers and statistics, okay? After that, we're going to spend some time talking about hell, then we're going to spend some time talking about heaven, and then at the end, I'm going to wrap things up with a question that I really want us, uh, both collectively as a church and as individuals, to really take a really serious brutally honest look at uh, in our own lives as we move forward through this next week. Not something just to be considered today, but something to walk out with thinking about. Okay? So that's where we're going to go. And if we can get the slides to go. There we go. First part is going to be called What the Hell? <laughs> Followed up by For Heaven's Sake. That's our message today, okay? So let's talk about some statistics. This comes from George Barna Research. If you're not familiar with George Barna, he's a Christian researcher out in California, does some amazing work, keeping his finger on the pulse of our country, beliefs, trends, things like that, okay? Uh, highly recommended, barna.com, if you ever want to go and check his site out. 
But here's some statistics. This is for Americans. This is what he's found out. 81% believe in life after death. 9% think that life after death may exist. Maybe. Not sure. 10% just go, yeah, no. There, there's no life after death. Okay? 79% agree with this statement. Every person has a soul that will live forever, either in God's presence or absence. 79%. 76% believe that heaven exists. 71% believe that hell exists. 64% of Americans think they're going to go to heaven. 5% claim they'll come back in some other form of life. 5% say they'll just simply, simply cease to exist. Here's the stat that just sort of rattled my cage. Only one half of 1% think that they will go to hell. One half of 1%. Out of 328 million people in the U.S., that leaves about 1.6 million that say, yeah, I'm probably going to go to hell. Now, that stat alone ought to be enough to really get our attention and really break our hearts as a church. Knowing that over a million and a half people going, yeah, I'm going to hell. But let's be real. Is that the number? We live in a country that is now considered to be post-Christian. That's a staggering number. Keep that one in mind. With that in thought, what the hell? Let's go on. How many of you have ever been told by someone to go to hell? Or is it just me? No. <laughs> I've been down the road several times, actually. Yeah. How many of you have ever told someone, no, I'm not going to go there. I don't, <laughs> I'm afraid we'd have more hands than the first one. No, I'm not going to, don't want to do that. But you see, here's the problem. When we, whether it's out of anger or frustration or even jokingly, tell someone to go to hell. We desensitize the importance and the magnitude of salvation. Does that make sense? Our movies, our music, books, social media, culture, all make hell seem like it's just not really anything to be concerned about. We have little cartoon figures of the devil with his little pointy tail and his pitchfork, and, and we laugh at them, and they're funny, and we see other little social media memes and things, and it's, oh, it's so fun. There is nothing fun about hell. Nothing fun about hell. But we sure make it seem that way. There are several views of hell, and today we're going to take a look at four. Okay? Four different views, and we'll address those as we go through and, and then get on into the heaven part. So, let's go from there. First view. Hell does not exist. 29% of Americans think that hell just does not exist. There's no such place. 
let me be real clear about this. It doesn't matter if I believe something exists or not. That doesn't change the reality of the situation. Let me give you a very simple analogy. Let's say that right after the service, I walk up here to Sweeten Creek Road. Very busy road, right? I get ready to cross the road, and I look, and there's a truck coming. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't believe that's a real truck. I just believe that's a figment of my imagination. I don't believe it's going to hurt me at all. It's not going to hit me. It's not going to hurt me. I'm not going to feel any pain. I can just cross the street safely. And so I step out in front of it. I don't make it across the street. I make it way down the street, but I don't make it across the street. But I didn't believe it was real. So, whether I believe it or not doesn't change the fact. Whether I believe in hell or not doesn't change the fact that hell exists. I'm going to go on. Second viewpoint. Universalism. Now, there's three different categories under universalism. Okay? The first one is non-Christian or pluralist. Here's the view on this. Jesus is one way to get to heaven. But there are a bunch of different ways. You can get to heaven by another religion. You can get to heaven by being a good person. You can get to heaven by obeying the Ten Commandments. You can get to heaven by doing good things. A bunch of different ways to get there. Yeah, Christ is one of them. That's the non-Christian or the pluralist. Okay? The second universalist. A hopeful Christian. Hopeful Christian. Hopeful Christians say... Jesus is the way to heaven. Okay? Jesus is the way to keep you out of hell. But they hope that in the end, Jesus is going to say, and God is going to say, you know what? We love you. It's not going to send you to hell. We were just kidding. Come on in. No. Third one. Third one is a dogmatic Christian universalist. Dogmatic Christian universalists say, believing in Christ is, is the only way to get to heaven, but, and they teach that the Bible teaches this, God loves you too much and loves people too much to send anyone to hell, so in the end, he's going to change his mind and everybody's coming on to heaven. Uh, there was a pastor uh, named Rob Bell, uh, was a pastor of megachurch Mars Hill up in Michigan. And at that time, he was one of the rising superstars among the megachurch movement and speakers. And in 2011, he put out a book called Love Wins. And this was his whole approach, was the dogmatic universalist Christian, that God loves everybody way too much to let anybody go to hell. So don't worry about it. You, you, you're going to be okay. The best that I can tell, all the scripture that universalists use to justify their viewpoint are scriptures taken out of context. And I can take scripture out of context and prove just about anything. Context is really, really, really important. 
And we have a third view of hell. Annihilationism. Annihilationists, it's a little confusing at first because they say that they don't believe in everlasting life except if you are redeemed, if you are saved, then God gifts you with that in heaven. But if you are not redeemed, you're going to go to hell. You're going to be punished, but just for a little while. It's temporary. Because on the second coming, then you will be thrown into the consuming lake of fire. You will be consumed and at that point cease to exist. So if you're not saved, yeah, you're going to hell for a little while, but eh, then poof, nothing. I guess that's supposed to be a good thing. I can't, I can't even imagine what one single day in hell would be like. One day would be way too much. So I guess maybe it has some comfort that it's not going to be eternal, but... And then there are some annihilationists who also believe, sort of back over to the universal part, where you'll get a second chance. Then we come to the fourth view on hell, one that I refer to as biblical. Some people call it traditional. I would much rather just go with, let's go with what the Bible says and go from there. Okay? Bible makes it pretty clear when you take things in context. If you've accepted Christ before your death, you're going to heaven. If you haven't, you're going to hell. It's really simple. Hell is permanent. There is no getting out once you are there. It is for eternity. It is both physical and metaphysical. Physical being, it is a physical place that you're going to be. The Bible constantly uses terms like fire, darkness, sulfur. If you've ever been around sulfur, oh my goodness, what an odor. It uses terms like wailing and gnashing of teeth. Not a place any of us want to be. Metaphysical in the, in the sense that it's separation from God. And a lot of times I think that, again, in our culture, we look, ah, separation from God. Eh, no, we're talking, remember, without God, check this out, you will have no hope. None, period, ever. Complete hopelessness and despair. And there will be no love because God is love. There will be no love at all, over and over and over, your worst nightmares, over and over and over, with no hope of that ever changing. That's why it is so important that we get it right now. Okay? That we get it right now, we don't wait. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not through another religion, not through good works, not through being a good person, 
not through obeying the Ten Commandments, not by just being the, the, just a super all-round individual that will not get us out of hell and into heaven. Only through the Son. I heard not too long ago, I heard a person say, well, you know, Jesus never really talked about hell. I'm not real sure what Bible they were reading. I'm pretty sure they just weren't. Uh, because in the Gospel... God mentions hell on 12 different occasions. And he refers to it as being a place of darkness and of fire and of suffering. We also have Matthew 25, 31 to 34 and 41. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then in verse 41 he says, Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So hell is real. It's a real place. A place of permanent fire and suffering. Separation from God. But there's something else about hell. You know what else hell is? Hell is a choice. Hell is a choice. One of the, one of the comments that, that I have such a hard time handling is when I hear someone say, well, I don't want to worship a God that would reject people. God doesn't reject you. We reject him. God is willing. He's done everything he can to make it where all we have to do is accept him, to ask him, to turn to him, to follow him. And we're going to be disappointed when, or we don't think it's right when we go, nah, I'm not going to do that, but, oh, oh no, but yeah, come to him later, oh, okay, yeah, now let me in. Don't be mistaken, hell is a choice. Let's talk about heaven. Okay, for heaven's sake. On the other side of that coin, we have heaven. And with that, we have, I want to address, there are a bunch of questions about heaven, right? I mean, let's face it, life after death is, is a, a thing for fascination for us, for humans. We, we want to know. There's a mystery to it. Now, the Bible solves a lot of that mystery if we just read it. But there, there's still a mystery to it. And so, and we have questions. And there's a bunch of questions, which I don't have time to answer all of them today. But I'm going to answer four different questions that came up a lot. Here are the four that we're going to take a look at. Will I become an angel? Will I recognize friends and family? Will I be bored? What will heaven be like? Okay? So, will I become an angel? No, you won't. Stop putting on Facebook and Instagram that Nana passed away, and she's gone to heaven and got her wings today, and now she's an angel. No, she's not an angel. You know? Nana's in heaven, bless her, she's, 
she is jumping for joy. She's happier than she's ever been in, in her earthly life. But she's not an angel. Angel and humans are completely different beings. Completely different creations. Work with me here, iPad. Work with me. Check this out. Uh, two verses. One, Psalm 8, 5. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Talking about humans. Next one. 1 Peter 1, 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have, that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Angels don't... Angels look on us and say, they have a chance for salvation. They rejoice when someone comes to Christ. You want a scary look at things, go check out what a seraphim looks like. I haven't seen one of those in the mirror yet when I look back at myself. Okay? That's not what you're going to turn into. You're still going to be in a human form, earthly form, spirit form, we can get a whole, it's a whole other thing to get into. But you're going to have a body. Okay? Christ came back and had a body, right? Angels, humans, two different things. Next one. Will I recognize my family and friends? Short answer, yes. Uh, the disciples, his followers, recognized Christ when he returned from heaven after the resurrection, right? They recognized him. Here's a question for you. How many of you, when you get to heaven, think that you're going to recognize Jesus? Let me see your hands. Now, he's not going to be the dude on the chosen. <laughs> what? You know, he's not going to be the actor in The Passion of the Christ. How are you going to recognize? You don't have a picture of him? Now I'm right there with you. Yeah, we're going to recognize Jesus. We are going to recognize Jesus. Check this verse out. This is uh, Matthew 17, 3 through 4. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Question, how did Peter know it was Moses and Elijah? They lived like 800 years before Peter. I don't know. Maybe Jesus saw him. You know, maybe he's going, hey, what's up, Mo? Eli, what's up? How we doing? I mean, come on, let's talk. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. That's not my thought. Now, okay, make sure you understand this. This is from the RSV, the Rusty Sampson version. Okay? <laughs> I know the guy. He's a little sketchy. You got to be careful what he says and look it up. Okay? But here's my opinion. They looked at, Peter looked at them and knew who they were. 
And I think, again, my opinion, strictly, then we get to heaven, we're going to look at Moses and go, that's Moses. That's Elijah. That's John. That's Paul. We're going to recognize them. We have no pictures of them. You know, Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper, he didn't have pictures to go by when he painted the Last Supper. He's guessing, right? But we're going to know them. And I think by the same token, we're going to look at people we know and know them. But here's the, here's the catch. They're going to be different. You know why they're going to be different? Because we, are, we will be looking at the best version of them. And they will be looking at the very best version of us. The way God designed us to be without all the flaws that we've managed to put into our lives. And it's going to be amazing. Then we have, will I be bored in heaven? Far side cartoon, Gary Larson. You know, too many people have this thing that we're just going to be sitting around on clouds. Notice he's got his angel wings too. But he's going to be, you know, he's going to be sitting around on a cloud just bored out of our ever-loving minds. This question really threw me. As many questions as I've ever had about heaven, I don't know that it's ever crossed my mind about will I be bored. I still have, even thinking about this all week, I'm having a hard time getting my mind wrapped around the question. Check this out. Luke 23, 43. And he said to them, truly I say to you, or he said to him, truly I say to you, talking to the thief on the cross, right? Today you will be with me in paradise. You may be going, so what does that have to do with boredom? Emphasis on the word Paradise. In the Greek, would have been paradisos, paradise, which the definition means come on. Waiting. There we go. Paradiso. The definition of paradise is a park, an orchard, or forest. A park, orchard, or forest. Just in case you didn't catch that, a park, orchard, or forest. Think, Garden of Eden. I don't know they're going to be walking around on clouds. We're going to be in paradise. We're going to be in some of the most beautiful places you've ever imagined. You're going to be bored? Seriously? I don't like nature. Whatever. Okay, so, let's, okay, I got one for you too. Revelation 23, 22, 3. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Serve him. Serve. You will be doing something. Can you, okay, maybe this is just me, but can you imagine how cool it would be to be the guy that gets to shine Jesus' sandals? Wouldn't that not be stinking awesome? We're going to be doing something. We're going to be serving him. We're going to be worshiping him. And that's one of the things I've heard. Well, if I'm just going to sit around, if it's just going to be church all the time for eternity, where I'm just going to sit around and sing all day, I don't know if I want to do that. 
If church is boring to you, you're doing it wrong. You're walking in the door with the wrong heart. I don't know what else to tell you. It's going to be, it's going to be so awesome. Which brings us to this one. What will heaven be like? I'm going to summarize uh, Revelation 21 and 22 for you. Okay? Instead of reading two chapters to you. Let me just summarize some of the things. Now, this is talking about when Christ returns. The world is destroyed. The earth and heavens have been destroyed. And God has rebuilt a new heaven and earth. And the new, the new Jerusalem. John is sitting there on a high mountaintop watching the new Jerusalem come down. It says the, the walls on the new Jerusalem, it's square. It says it was 12,000 stadia. Okay? That's about 1,380 miles. To give you some reference, that means one wall is going to go from here to Denver. It also says it's that high. That I can't get my mind wrapped around. But it's going to be that square, and it's going to be that high. There's going to be three gates on each wall. Each gate is made from a single pearl. I don't think that means the gates are little. It's just going to be some really big pearls, right? And the gates are open all the time. The foundation is layered in jewels. The streets are gold. Did you know that you can refine and pound gold so thin that it becomes clear? And it talks about the streets are gold, are, are gold but they're clear. There's not going to be a sun or a moon. Because it's going to be entirely lit from the glory of God. There's no night. Because the glory of God is just continuous, right? The river of life is going to flow. It's going to be crystal clear. The tree of life is going to have 12 different fruits. Can we just stop a minute and pray that one of those is peaches? Please, Lord. <laughs> Twelve different fruits. It's going to be amazing. For eternity. The very, very best. So we have heaven and we have hell. As a friend of mine in Tennessee, a worship leader at my former church, she used to like to say, you have a choice. You can be sanctified or chicken fried. <laughs> kind of sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. Uh, but I want to wrap up today. I want to ask you a question. And I want you to answer this question silently, okay? Don't answer it out loud. Just answer it silently to yourself. If you could have heaven with no sickness, no pain, 
no tears, no anxiety, no depression, no despair, no worries. You can be with all your family and friends. You can have the best food you have ever tasted in your life every single meal. Natural beauty beyond anything that you've seen. No conflicts, no arguing, no natural disasters. Total joy, love, and peace. Would you be satisfied with heaven? If you answered yes, like I did the first time I read that question, then you need to check your heart. Because there's a problem with that question. And I'll answer that problem with another question. In that scenario, where was Jesus? Why do I want to go to heaven? Why do you want to go to heaven? Why do we want to go to heaven? Is it just to avoid hell? If our whole purpose of accepting Christ was to avoid hell, then are you following Christ or are you just buying fire insurance? Let me put it this way. Let me give you an analogy. Let's take a bride and a groom. They get married. And the groom, man, he is madly in love with his new bride. Head over heels in love. He will do anything for her. He works hard to provide for her. He wants to spend time with her. He wants to listen to what she has to say. I know, ladies, that's hard to imagine, but just work with me. She wants, he wants to listen to everything that she has to say, how she feels. He wants to spend time. He's constantly saying, I love you. He'll do anything for her and sacrifice anything for her. And then we have the bride. The bride, a little different viewpoint. She really likes him. And if they're in public, she'll even say that she loves him. And occasionally in private, she may say it. She knows that she can't find anybody better. But she's mainly interested in what he can provide for her. The nice house, the nice car, the clothes, the jewelry, the lifestyle she wants, paying off the credit card, debit card. That's mostly what she's interested in. And she'll spend a little time with him, maybe a couple hours once a week. Other than that, not so much. About the only time she really wants to talk to him is when she needs something or wants something. But that's about it. But he obviously loves her, right? Does she love him? Or is she just using him? You see where I'm going with this? We, church, are the bride of Christ. And he loves us. Oh, he loves us. 
He provides for us. He's there for us. He's constantly showering us with gifts and blessings. He is sacrificed beyond imagination for us. And then there's us. Yeah, we'll spend a couple hours a week on Sunday mornings. We go to him in a hurry if we need something or want something when things don't go good. Maybe we tell him every now and then that we love him. Maybe not so much. We know that we can't do any better. We know that he's going to keep us out of hell. Would you expect a relationship like that to work? But he's so forgiving and so gracious and he keeps forgiving and he keeps coming back. And I, I don't want to make a generalization. I'm, I'm not saying that all of you here are that person. I'm, I'm, please don't take it that way. I don't know. I don't know your heart. He does. I don't. I know way too often that's my heart. Way too often. If you are one of those people who love Jesus like he loves you, then here's what you need to do. You need to find some people to disciple. You need to find some of us that aren't where you are and say, hey, why don't you, why don't you come along with me? Why don't you sit down with me you know, once a week or we'll, we'll come up with some sort of schedule so, so I can help you get there, so I can help you have this love like I have that Jesus wants. Let's take a look at what's getting in the way of that. and Let, let, let me help you get there. And if you're not there, then you need to go find somebody and say, hey, you know, it sure seems to me that you love Jesus a whole lot more than I do. Let's talk. Let's sit down. I need to be discipled. We're commanded by Jesus to go and make disciples. And it starts right here. It starts right in this room. It starts with whoever happens to be seen on social media. It, it starts here to, be make, to make disciples and to be discipled. About a week and a half ago, I was having a conversation with a, a friend of mine, and uh, somehow the conversation rolled around, and I brought up the fact that uh, my goal this year, one of my goals, is to read 50 books. And by read, I mean most of those I listen to on audio. Okay. And so, so he asked, he said, so, so what kind of books you listen to? And I said, well, I, you know, I try to keep it about half and half, fiction, nonfiction, you know, just a, a bunch of, a wide variety of, of genres. And, and keep in mind, this is one of the most humble people I've ever known in my life. And without thinking, and, and, and truly, out of a spirit of humbleness, he just said, I just want to read my Bible. Off the top ropes, body slammed. And he didn't mean it that way. He didn't mean it that way at all. That was just from his heart. He would rather read the Bible. It was one of the few times in my life I was speechless. I just sat there for a couple of seconds and finally said, you win. I, I, I just spent 12 hours listening to how the Revolutionary War was won basically because George Washington set up a spy ring in New York. Well, that did me a lot of good. What if I'd have spent 12 hours reading the New Testament or reading my Bible? 
and asking God, what am I supposed to get out of this? Because I'll tell you what I got out of reading the other book, a cool little nugget to dump on somebody unexpectedly someplace. <laughs> Woo! That's it. But it's 12 hours I'll never get back. And it's 12 hours I could have been 12 hours closer to Christ. Let me show you the scariest verse in the Bible, hands down, in my opinion. Next one. What a reason I'm not advancing here. There we go. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You want a truth? Here's a truth. A lot of people sitting in church this morning are going to go to hell. A lot of people doing ministry are going to go to hell. A lot of people doing mighty works in Jesus' name are going to go to hell. Why? Because they don't love Jesus. They love the attention they get from what they're doing. They're doing things for the wrong reasons. They're doing things with the wrong heart. I can read my Bible with the wrong heart. I can read my Bible to show you how smart I am and how much biblical knowledge I have. It doesn't make me a Christian. It doesn't make me a follower of Christ. It just makes me knowledgeable about the Bible. Another verse. Which sums up the whole thing today. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. All means everything we have. Nothing held back. Nothing held back. Not everything but this. Everything that we have. Loving Jesus and following him. Just like that analogy I gave a minute ago about the bride and the groom, a lot of us as brides have taken on the last name. We call ourselves Christian. But did Christ show up to his disciples when he got ready to pick his disciples? Did he show up to them and say, hey guys, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Why don't you just, will, will you all just follow me around? Listen to what I have to teach. Do some things I say. You know, you, you know will you do that? And you, you don't have to believe any of it. You don't have to love me. You don't have to, you just, just, just follow me around not what he said he said leave it all behind and follow me take up your cross and follow me church it's time that we give it all everything we have to love Jesus the way he loves us and hold nothing back nothing For heaven's sake, it's time that we do that.
Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. God, I cannot get my mind wrapped around how much you love me, how much you've done for me, how much you want for me, how much you've put it right there. All I have to do is just go all in for you. Father, thank you for it. Father, help me to be that child you want me to be. Help me to want you before I want anything else. And everything else comes next, but you're first. Help me to be that child. In your son's name.